This is the Arizona Opera Podcast. Today, we're talking about Puccini's hit opera, La Boheme. Whether you've seen the opera or not, I'm guessing you recognize this tune from Puccini's La Boheme. It's called Quando Men Vaux, or Musetta's Waltz, and it makes many regular appearances in our pop culture. Thanks to this wonderful melody and others that are just as beautiful, this opera has become extremely popular with both opera experts and people that are new to the art form. In this podcast, we'll be talking about many of the reasons why this is an audience favorite, as well as some of the background information on how La Boheme came to be. To better delve into these topics, I talked to two of the singers who will be performing in Arizona Opera's production. I'm Mario Chang. I'm singing Rodolfo in Boheme in this production. I'm Ellie Dean, and I'm singing the role of Mimi in La Boheme. As well as a trusted musicologist. I'm Dr. Naomi Baratera, and I am a musicologist, an opera podcast host, and a lecturer. The three of them will lend their expertise to bring us inside the world of Puccini and La Boheme. Something that people often say about La Boheme is that it's a great first opera for people that are coming new to opera. And Puccini, in general, uh, has been very popular with audiences that that aren't very familiar with opera. Why do you think this is? Um, first of all, I think it's a great piece because, one, it's short, so people can be in and out, and it's very accessible because with Verismo Opera, it mimics real life. So people can identify with the characters. Also with Rent, the musical, and a lot of the arias, for example, Quando Mambos and a lot of TV commercials, people recognize, one, the plot, and two, a lot of the tunes. So it's something that they, I feel, also there are moments to applaud, which aren't in all kinds of operas, so they get that rest and they, you know, can get ramped up when they hear other people excited about what happens and they can all clap together. Whereas, you know, if you move to some Strauss or some other pieces, you know, you you really have to wait 
to get that gratification of being able to say, oh, that was great. You know, you're kind of wondering, as a first-time opera goer, is it okay to clap? Is it? So I feel like there are some great moments. And again, it's in shorter chunks, so they can have, they don't have to be well-studied on the opera before they come to be able to enjoy it. Bohem, I think, is definitely is a good first opera because you can relate to it. You can relate to the story. Uh, in some point, you can find a situation in the opera that has happened to you. Maybe not the death of a loved one, maybe is the case, but for example, someday you struggle with money or one day the person that was the landlord came to say, well, you haven't paid or you go to a restaurant and you find out it was more expensive than you thought and then you struggle to see how I'm going to do to pay this. And, you know, it's, it's a very nice opera to... I don't think it's a good opera to go and see, but it's, it's a great opera to, after you saw the opera, is the best sensation when you go out. I think is is one of the operas that you can relate so much to different aspects in the opera that at the end you can say, oh, I'll, I'll see it again. And then you, uh, you end up being obsessed with the opera and you see it a thousand times. I think it's so easy. To, to love this opera. The, the characters are so well made. And the music, oh my God. As I told you, I think the orchestra is, is another character in the opera because the music says, I think, more than what the characters are allowed to say. So I think it's, it's magical. It's, Puccini is a genius. And the way he wrote the music. We were talking with the cast that this is an opera that we cannot caught you know in mozart it has repetitions and stuff you can just like cut one of the repetitions and you hear the music the music idea and everything in bohème is so well written that there's not a single bar you can cut if you cut something you feel there's something missing in this opera you have you have to put it all in and i think it's one of the magic parts about this opera it's so how i like to say it's easy to digest it's not like a Wagner opera. You have to really concentrate and have the the that willing of sitting in a six-hour opera to have the whole idea. This one, even though it's kind of short, in my belief, it's, it's just, as I told you, it's, it's very easy to be the first opera you see. And when you go out, it's one of the ones that you say, oh, I want to see it again. <laughs> I think part of what makes Puccini so enduringly popular is just how likable his music is. And actually that in a kind of scholarly criticism sense did not serve him well for a long time. In the earlier parts of the 20th century, people kind of treated Puccini almost like he was so popular that that his music kind of pandered to public taste. And it was almost like it was too likable to be genius. And that has certainly changed now over time. We recognize that he was an incredible composer and and did really brilliant things. But it's something that when you hear Puccini, you're just swept away by the emotion of it all and how, how he can craft a melodic line that takes you on a journey combined with all of these amazing orchestral elements. And so I think first and foremost, with Puccini, so much of the dramatic action that you see on stage is sort of embedded subtly into the orchestral score that it accompanies it. So in La Boheme, for example, 
when the artists are warming their hands over the fire in the garret, you can actually hear a little bit of like the crackling of the fire in the orchestra. And when the snow is falling, you can hear in the orchestra how he's tried to paint the picture of kind of a a cold, frigid temperature with snow gently falling. And so you have a lot of these kind of atmospheric elements that Puccini weaves into the score. And he really does compose what we would call a through composed score. So the music is just continuous from beginning to end. And you can't always hear where one moment or one aria or duet where one stops and the other starts or when an aria-like moment begins can seamlessly transition into recitative. And so you have this beautiful kind of constant stream of music and was able to integrate that through composed structure with melodies that you walk away from the opera house singing to yourself. So Naomi, can you tell us a little bit about the source material for La Boheme and what it was based off of? So in the 1840s, there was a writer by the name of Henri Merger, and he started publishing a series of stories in a local magazine in France that really followed a a large cast of characters that were living this wonderful bohemian life, this very artistic bohemian existence in Paris at the time in the Latin Quarter. And so he started publishing them in these short little snippets or vignettes, and they started to become pretty popular. And so from there, those kind of series of stories were turned into a play in in and around 1849. And he had started writing these stories in a little few years earlier, around 1845. And then the play also became quite popular. And so over time, he felt that there was enough economic demand, so to speak, for him to then turn these stories into a novel. So the play and the novel were titled La Vie de la Boheme. And they really tried to bring together all of these disparate stories that he had written over several year period that followed all of these different characters. And it's from this play and the novel that Puccini and his librettists come across these characters and try to then turn this very kind of broad and disparate collection of stories into a cohesive, more focused dramatic arc for an opera. How does the opera compare to the play, but also the stories themselves? How, how What does that uh, evolution look like? Well, there's actually quite a bit of interesting backstory connected with how this opera came into being and how they adapted the story. So Puccini was working with two librettists. He had a team of two, Luigi Ilica and Giuseppe Giacosa, and they looked at the source material, and they essentially decided to focus their opera on the story of Mimi and Rodolfo, our two kind of leading characters in Puccini's setting. They are the soprano and the tenor, and they are the main love story that we follow in the opera. And there were many characters they could have chosen to really focus on, but these were the two that really caught their attention and kind of caught their heart, so to speak. And so they decided to focus the dramatic action on this particular story of these two individuals. So if you look at the opera and you compare all of the dramatic action to the play and the source material, Acts 1 and Acts 4 of the opera 
pair really strongly with scenes that you find in Mercer's original. But then Acts 2 and Acts 3 of the opera actually don't really have any parallel in the source material because Puccini and Luigi Illica and Giuseppe Giacosa decided that they really needed to focus the relationship a little bit more and the dramatic action on Mimi and Rodolfo. And in order to do that, they needed to kind of concoct their own storyline to flesh out what happens to these characters in a way that we, the audience, become invested in them. And who better to talk to about these two characters than two of the singers who will be portraying them in the Arizona Opera production? So I have sung Mimi four times, but I've sung Musetta what feels like a thousand times. So I definitely have seen the opera more from Musetta's point of view than Mimi's. But um, as time goes forward, I feel like Mimi is the character that I'm settling into a bit more. And I feel like having seen things from all sides now, it, she I relate to her most. At first, I feel like vocally, she wasn't quite the right fit. About 10 years ago, my voice definitely sat a bit higher. Um, so these Puccini swells in the music didn't really sound that special. I could sing the notes, but, you know, it seemed just kind of like, oh, she's saying the notes. and But now I feel like I can really give them that oomph that they deserve. Well, this role, I the first time I did it was in Israel, actually. It was in a summer program. And I remember... It was very perfect timing, actually. I was, well, my wife and I, we were stalked in Israel when they were at war with Gaza. So we had to, well, we were in a summer program together and we were we were doing Bohem. And I remember that right after that, that was in 2014, in June, July. And I remember after that, I had to go to my first professional contract in Frankfurt. There was a fest there. And uh, I had three days to learn the staging and perform Boam again in Frankfurt. So I was like, I had it fresh. So it was good. <laughs> I remember I fell asleep standing during the rehearsal. And because it, I went from the plane to the rehearsal. Because I right before that, I did uh, the Operalia competition in LA. So the jet lag from Los Angeles to Frankfurt was horrendous. So I, I have my stories with Bohem. I love it. It's one of the roles that I've done the most. I've done it in Israel, was the first one. Then Frankfurt for uh, three seasons in a row. And then I did it in uh, Los Angeles one time. And one time in my home country, Guatemala. And now here. Oh, yeah. The, yes, of course. Yeah, I did it in Santa Fe this past summer. <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> That's the longest run I've done of us. <laughs> Well, one of the great things about being a soprano is we get to die a lot in many different operas, uh, and this is one of them. So, I mean, the stakes are obviously much higher, and sometimes it's harder to find that lightness in the beginning, which makes the audience really fall in love with her, and they have to care about her ultimately when she dies. Um, so you really have to delve into that arc from beginning to end. To it, it, you, you're able to fully flesh her out. I feel like Musetta can be a more interesting character. You really don't see that fully emerged character until the end of Act Four. Um, yeah, while Mimi, we get to know her and we get to see her journey from being sick, but not as tragically so 
from the beginning and then see that progression till the end. Uh, these are four friends, and then they find this new girl. They Rodolfo falls in love with this girl, and then she dies. Basically, that's like big steps. Of course, I just jumped like a thousand steps in between, but that's basically it. So it never changes. And it's very interesting to uh, explore the different corners that the role can have to make it a little bit more like the dreamy person or the the poet that is always thinking in poetry and uh, trying to find poetry in everything he does and the way that he is trying to um, make Mimi fall in love with him and is also very interesting to see a person that is playing hard to get even though he is the person going after her so it's kind of very interesting how the social thing works and for everybody and to put that into the opera it brings a little bit of you into the character so I, I like that I like to explore different ideas just to see how far we can get doing exactly the same thing but it makes it look different and make uh, it makes the audience receive it in a different way with different um, perspective or what I like to call it with different temperature so it's kind of like um it's a little bit more warm or a little bit more cold, but at the end, we're going to reach the same point. And how do, get, do we get there with the same music? Then basically, the music, not the words, but the music in the orchestra tells big part of the story. So without changing that, making it look and feel different is a big challenge. So I, this is what I like always when I meet a new director. When I ask opera fans what it is that they love about La Boheme, most often, they tell me that it's the music. However, oddly enough, when I ask them to describe what it is about the music that they love so much, it can be hard to describe beyond usual words like it's beautiful or it has great melodies. Luckily, musicologist Naomi Baratera can tell us about some other reasons why it is that we love this music and find it so emotionally compelling. He was really beginning to work with an an experiment with the idea of reoccurring musical ideas. And so these are not, in La Boheme, they're not like tiny chords or phrases. It's like a whole melody that when you first hear it, you then associate it with that particular scene or characters or dramatic moment. And then he brings it back again and again subtly throughout the opera and whenever you hear that melody, you're reminded of when you first heard it or the character that you first associated it with. And so Mimi is an excellent example where when we first meet her, both Mimi and Rodolfo, the first big aria moments that they sing, they introduce themselves to each other. And the main melodies of those moments come back in the other parts of the opera to remind you about that love at first sight moment. And... Then at the very end, when she comes back to the garret and she's sick and she's dying, Puccini recalls all of these melodies that we heard them sing together in their love at first sight and all of their duets when they introduce themselves. And so you feel like you're reminded of everything that happened in this very dramatic way through the music. And that's something that I think is very special about Bohem that can be hard to put your finger on when you first see it but after you've watched it a few times you start to realize what he's doing and it can become really powerful um, when it all culminates in that dramatic 
final scene. Musically, La Boheme packs a punch very early on. In fact, when you ask most people what their favorite musical moment is, they will often say something from the first of the four acts. Personally, as a former tenor, my favorite moment in the opera is Rudolfo's first aria, Que Gelida Manina, or What a Cold Hand. It's a very genuine moment where he's describing to this woman who he's just met who he is and what his life stands for. For me, one of the most poignant moments is when he says, How do I live? I live. To be honest, one of my favorite moments is in the middle of the Mimi's aria in the first act, uh, when when she starts when she starts talking about uh, how poor she is, as same as Rodolfo, and when she says that, you know what? Even in my poverty, in my humble house that I uh, I freezing most of the time, the the thing that I appreciate the most is watching over the roofs, how the sun rises, and the first kiss of the sun is mine. I think that's is genius, how he puts the words in the most beautiful sound in the orchestra at the same time without being violent, without being cheesy, is just, I think it's perfect. That's my favorite part in the opera. I love the O oh, Suave Fanchula 
duet, which is their love at first sight moment, or it's not really love at first sight because they've seen each other for a little while at that point. It's more of like the moment they truly fall in love. And it's one of those moments like I described where it starts very small and it just blossoms into this glorious thing between the two of them, this duet. And then it it also kind of tapers off in this very beautiful, quiet and subtle way where they decide to leave together and go join Rodolfo's friends at the Cafe Momu. And they actually, in the stage directions, they leave the stage and they go out the door, but you can still hear them singing as they're like leaving the apartment and going down into the street. And so it's this gorgeous musical effect where even though the curtain is slowly closing and the act is coming to an end, you can almost like hear that this is just the beginning of their love story together. So it's a beautiful moment and it's probably, probably my favorite part of the opera. I invite you to come and see Arizona Opera's performances of La Boheme at Phoenix Symphony Hall, January 24th, 25th, and 26th, and at Tucson Music Hall, February 1st and 2nd. Arizona Opera's production of La Boheme is made possible in part through generous support from Marlise A. Bider, Jim and Linda Lee, Carl and Eunice Feinberg, Morton E. Monk, Tucson Desert Song Festival, Southwest Kitchen and Bath, and Aria Hospice Comfort Care. For more information and to purchase tickets, visit azopera.org. I'm Kyle Homewood, Director of Community Engagement and Special Programs at Arizona Opera. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Arizona Opera Podcast. <laughs>